0: Good morning. We on, we on. Amen, amen. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to ask you to Let's, let's, let's pray together for a second. Father, we just... Father, we know that your word is already anointed. We know that your word already breaks bonds. Your word already uh, comforts us. And, and, and your word already brings us life and brings us healing, Lord God. Father, right now I pray that we would be able to get out of your way that you would speak to our hearts speak to us in Jesus name amen amen we've been um whoa. we've been talking about church 101 for, for a couple of weeks and I just want to kind of end that series today with, with this message and um if you're, if you're visiting just let me tell you I love you God is good um you belong. God bless you. We love you. Amen. As a matter of fact, turn to somebody and just say, hey, how you doing? Can you, can you hold me down no matter what he says? Tell him, you know, tell tell the person, I may not know you, but you know, I got you, you got me. Let's, let's get through this. Amen. So here's here's a quote from this, this book I'm reading right now. I want you to, to listen to this quote. Um remember church 101 we've been talking about you know the, the, the purpose of the church and, and, and the purpose of this church and who we are and what the church is supposed to be amen so just keep that in as a frame of mind here's the quote the church does not exist to meet our comfort zone preferences that's what I thought that's exactly what they felt awesome awesome. Give that kid a lollipop. That was awesome, bro. You can't plan stuff like that. The church does not exist to meet our comfort zone preferences, but rather to destabilize them, to shake us awake from the stupor of a culture of comfort worship that impedes our very growth. We grow most when we're outside of our comfort zone. We, we're most effective when we're at the edge of risk. We hold beliefs more dear and pursue goals more passionately when they're accompanied by a cost. Listen, there are a lot of places this morning that went out of their way to make people comfortable with church. As a pastor, I, I read a lot. I'm, I'm always, I want to learn. I'm always wanna, I want to grow. And I read a lot on church and on ministry and on growth and on, and on dealing with people. And, and so much of what's out, out today is catering to people's needs and designed to make people comfortable with church with the hope that then we can make them comfortable with Christianity. And now a lot of this is written by big name pastors, successful ministries. And so there's a lot of experience and there's a lot of good stuff to learn. And I, and I want to grow and, and take it in and, and put into practice and try stuff out. So I'm always learning. When a leader stops learning, he starts dying. Amen? When you think you know it all, you don't, haven't even started to know anything. And so so I read, you read this stuff and and I read the word and and I read the word and I read these books and, and, and I read this and I read that and I read the word and I read these books. And the problem is you either end up filtering man's books by God's word or you end up filtering God's word by man's books. Man says, studies show the church's commitment depends on their comfort. God says, your comfort should have nothing to do with your commitment. Hold on. Luke says, Jesus says in Luke 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me will save it. That's so different than anything you read in men's books. People said, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus turned and he said, listen, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You still want to follow People said, I'll follow you, but first let me bury my father. Jesus told that guy, dude, let the dead bury their own. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I've been saying this for a few weeks now. Church should be a place where we can be comfortably uncomfortable. What does that mean? Thank you, Hassan. That's a great question. What does that mean, comfortably uncomfortable? What, 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 what is he talking about? Is it a riddle? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm all for creating a comfortable place. For creating a comfortable environment, I think we should do things in excellence. I think, I mean, we've redesigned this stage about 18 times. I oh, I love it. I just love. We got a creative team, man. I love doing different things. I love right. And I think we should do things with excellence, man. We should have you know creativity, paint, cleaning, <coughs> air conditioning. Heat is a blessing, you know right. I love the cafe. To, today we weren't able to, but you know, to have some fresh coffee once in a while is awesome. Fresh treats. We spend money on equipment so we can have good sound, so we can create a pleasant atmosphere as much as we can. We get ushers and greeters that are smiling hugging, and, and, and hugging you, even when they feel empty sometimes. I want it to be a comfortable place where you can come and everybody knows your name. <laughs> That's a throwback. I want it to be a comfortable place where we can find sanctuary, where we can build community. However, people define comfort as a lack of conflict. People define comfort as a lack of offense, as a lack of accountability, as a lack of tension. Tension. Man's books and surveys and studies show that if you want to build something successful, you have to have a certain sensitivity. You have to be sensitive to what people are looking for and careful to make people comfortable so that they'll stay, so so you can't preach too long. You know, there's studies and studies shown about how long a sermon should be this, it can't be that, this is too short, this is too long, this is too much, this is too, don't preach too hard, don't preach too, I, I break all the rules, man, I don't know what I'm doing, that's the only, I'm not bragging, I'm saying I don't know what I'm doing it says stay away from touchy topics because people will get offended and they'll be uncomfortable, the, preach the good news but don't talk about sin Tell people what was done for them, not what's expected from them. Oh, I'm trying to shrink this church right now. See, we, we, when we first came here, man, we were so damaged by finances, I was scared to have anybody pray for an offering. Right? <laughs> we're like, oh, man, uh, let's not have offering baths. Like, what do we... I don't want to even talk about money because people are so, people are so jaded and church, church just wants your money. Church just wants your money. And so we, we've created this church culture in America that says, find the church that meets your needs. Find the church where the music moves you. Find the church where the preaching compels you. Find the church where the programs suit you. And it's all about you, you, you. And so we've created this culture of comfort, this mindset of mediocrity, this expectation of entertainment, this conditional commitment. As long as, it means, as, long as my needs are met, I'm committed. As long as things go my way, I'm in, Pastor. All in. As long as things are easy, as long as things go smooth, as long as things don't inconvenience me, as long as they don't interfere with football, basketball, baseball, my kids practice, my anniversary, my cousin's sister's birthday, my cousin's neighbors uncle's um um christening, my 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 a uh, good summer day, uh uh <laughs> As long as they don't interfere, I'm good. I'm in, pastor. Count on me, man. I'm in there. Conditional commitment. But yet we read in God's word, following Christ is all about surrender. Surrender. Surrender is a military term. It means stop resisting. Stop resisting. I think the word God is saying that to us today, to somebody here today. Stop resisting. To be comfortably uncomfortable means that you can be comfortable enough to know that you belong. That you fit in. That there's nobody here better than you. That you don't have to be like anybody else. That there's that, that this, this bread in the house. That God accepts you, man, any way you walked in that door. And God called you even in your present condition. Before you did anything good at all, while you were still jacked up, while you were still resisting, God loved you and God died for you and God chose you and God called you and God sought you out and God drew you. Before you did anything good, while you still stunk. The comfortable part is understanding God chose you. He loves you. You're fully known by God. And do you know that like everybody here is fully known by God? God knows. Not the fake you that shows up in the building. God knows you. Scary? God knows you. Not the brother, God bless you, the Lord, hey. you doing i'm blessed highly favored walking in the presence and glory of god all the days of my life surely mercy and grace shall follow me but you but your middle finger in somebody as soon as you go up the block and they cut you off the real you god knows the real you and loves you fully still that's the comfortable part say amen The uncomfortable part is understanding that while we can belong, while we can be accepted, that while it's because of his grace through nothing at all we did, we can belong, but we can't stay the same. If you haven't grown in 10 days, you're behind. Some people come and they want to share their testimony. Oh, man, when I, was, when I was 17, you know, God met me. Wait, wait, how old are you? You're forty. What? So he hasn't done nothing since you were 17? Then either you're bad or God's bad, but something's not right here. When God reconciles us to himself, it means he makes our relationship right with him. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, let me give you an example. If you were doing some things to destroy your marriage, to hurt your family, if you, and, and if you were given the grace to reconcile, with, to make those relationships right again with your spouse, to make those relationships right again with your kids. If you were, if you were given the opportunity to reconcile, you don't go back to the same way. You got to change something. Amen? If if you you don't do the same things you did to hurt and destroy your marriage, let me give you a scripture for those of you that are waiting. If there's no scripture in this message, I got to leave. But here it is, Romans 6.12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Uh, We're going old school today. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Isn't that like a crazy picture to look at? Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to serve sin. What? What are you talking about? Any part of my body? That's like, that covers pretty much everything. Right? Because it could be your mouth, it could be sexual sin, it could be, right? Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to evil, to serve sin. My wife already gave me a dirty look when I looked. She said, watch it, which way you going there? Instead, it says, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Paul says when we accept this grace, our sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power th- th- Do you get that when you the, the closer you draw to God, sin loses its power over you? Some of you are so bound, some of us are so bound in our sin that we think there's nothing can break this. Nothing can change. He says, God says, when you draw close to me, I draw close to you. And the closer you get to God, the this is broken. And what was done already for you has this broken in your lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. When we're joined with Christ in baptism, what we're doing tonight, we, we join him in his death. So that when we go in, we're going in into his death. And then when we come out, we're, we're, we're rejoicing in a new life. Amen. We're coming out new. If you guys haven't been baptized and you've been a believer, what are you waiting for tonight? 6.30. Get an application today before you leave. That's why the word says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now listen, church, before you get discouraged, does that mean we automatically start doing good and we never want to sin again? I wish. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? If we could just go in the water, come back out, and never have a bad thought again, never have a, 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 a sin draw again, like have everything broken, have all our habits broken when we come. So to some people that happens, and it's, and it's amazing. But the rest of us, we still got to deal with this flesh. This flesh will never want to serve God. And so we beat it to make it a slave to, to, to Christ, Amen. It's a process. It's a walk. It's about abiding in Christ. It's about having him abide in you and having that relationship with God long enough to bear fruit. See, a lot of us think we, one day in God, all this is going to change. No, we have to be long enough in God to bear fruit. Have you ever grown something? It takes a long time, right? You, You don't go home and plant, with a lot of Puerto Ricans in here, you probably plant tomatoes in your window in your backyard, your little garden, right? You, and so you don't just put stuff in there and then like come tomorrow and say, what happened? I thought there'd be 15 tomatoes here this morning. What, what happened? You know it's a process. It has to get watered. It has to be, it has to get sunlight. It has to go The, the, the stem has to grow. The, leaf, the support has to grow. You have to, right? And then, and then you get the fruit. So we, it's about abiding in Christ long enough to bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't you want that? I I don't know about you, but I want that. Right? I want that. (laughs) But the word says we can't do this alone. Jesus said the Father will send us a helper. And the Spirit of God seals us to teach us and to, to guide us and to remind us of God's love and to convict us. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. So the Spirit of God in us convicts us and comforts us, keeping us comfortably uncomfortable. Oh, come on. Somebody say, that's good. That's good stuff. That's what it means to be comfortably uncomfortable. We can be comfortable in Christ, in church, comfortable in our standing with God, in our relationship with Him, with each other. When it comes to our sin, though, the Spirit of God should make us uncomfortable. When it comes to not living right, not doing the right things, not treating people the right way, we should be uncomfortable. We can't allow ourselves to be comfortable in that. Somebody say amen. I, listen, I remember when when I first started going to church, man. There was a holy tension. It was in my twenties, and 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 I had never been. I had been in, in Catholic, you know, because I I went to Catholic school, and so I had been in that place where you know you have to just be be quiet, and 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 you have it, it's a there's already a tension in the air, but it's different, right? And so when I first started coming to church, there was a holy tension. I knew when the service started, I was kind of you know my, I was biting my nails. I knew that 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 I, because I knew the stuff that I was hiding. Do you understand? There's a holy tension. There was, there was something in there that told me, man, God, today, if I'm coming to the house of God, I didn't understand that I was the house of God back then. I, I thought the building was the house of God. And so if I'm coming to the house of God, if I'm coming to where God is, God is going to confront the thing in me that's, that's not pleasing to him. And so I was uncomfortable. I was biting my nails. And if a guest speaker came that was like a prophet or something, my God, I was terrified. I was terrified. I said, "That dude's gonna call me out." I'm gonna sit in the in the second to last row because the last row is too obvious. So I'm gonna sit in like the second or the third to last row where I can hide, and I'm gonna sit behind a real tall brother or or a real wide sister, and I'm just gonna be, you know, I'm to I I'm gonna stay right there and hopefully, you know. Hopefully I'm good. I'm going to just stay like like if I have a problem with my neck or something. I'm going to stay like this the rest of the... And and get through. Because if that prophet sees me, God's going to tell him. He's going to say, you, in the third to the last in the blue shirt, can you just please stand up? The Lord says... (laughs) God says, what you've done in secret, I'm watching you, brother. And I had that fear... It was a holy tension, and, and I knew it was either going to be the speaker or it was going to be the worship. You know, sometimes, the, you know, somebody doing worship is going to come and just put a hand on my shoulder, and I'm going to feel the conviction of God, and I'm going to break, I'm going to start crying, and people are going to say, why are you crying over well, that stupid song? I don't even like that song, but, 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 but you don't understand. I know that God is doing something, something, amen? When, when, man, when we had these guys that were prophets start giving words, I was, I was more than uncomfortable. I was, I was terrified. This guy's going to call me out because if this guy speaks to God and God knows me and God speaks to him, then that means he knows me. And that means God knows what I did last summer. And that means God knows what I did last night. And that means God knows the argument I had with my wife in the car on the way to service. And God knows the name I called her, even if it was out or in my head. (laughs) God knows the thing I called my husband this morning when he said he didn't want to go to church. God knows, even if I didn't say, I said, okay, honey, you can stay home, that's fine. But he knows what I called him inside. He knows the, 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 the barrage that I gave him in my spirit. God knows So let me ask you, church, when did it become comfortable? When did it become safe to sit in sin and still be comfortable? When I stand up at this pulpit, or anyone does for that matter, when you step into this building, I want you to be comfortably uncomfortable. I want there to be a holy tension in the because if the word says where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. The presence of God is here and we can't hide from the presence of God. God sees all and hears all and knows all. He knows. He knows. You think you're faking the funk in your chair, but he knows you. You've pulled it off for 10 years in ministry, but he knows you. God knows you. You've done a great job. Congratulations. And trust me, i felt like this myself. I felt like God has told me. So, so I'm, not, I'm not judging any of you. I'm saying, I'm preaching this because I feel it. I feel God's told me sometimes, you've done a great job. Everybody thinks you're a great guy. I know you. I love you, but I know you. You're not fooling me. The awesome thing is that God will never shout you out to embarrass you. Amen. He will never shout you out to shame you. He's, he shouts you out to, co- to cover you. Listen, never once in my life has, has God shouted me out to embarrass me. But many times the message spoke directly to my heart as if I was the only one in the room. Anybody ever felt like that? Sometimes the worship broke my heart. Nobody in the room knew why. Sometimes somebody came and just put a hand on my shoulder and nobody, nobody here knew. And not even that person knew that I told God, God, if you love me, come hold me. Come, come let me know that you know that I'm here. And and a stranger comes and puts his hand or or hugs you. And you're like. (laughs) Stuff only God could know. You know when somebody prays with you in the front and, and doesn't know you from anybody and, 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 and gets into, reads your mail. Like stuff only God could know. Listen, people are on the flip side of that. People have spoken things over my life and my family that made no sense at the moment. But we look back and we see God even then. Even that you knew 10 years later that this would be like this. Sometimes God will do a setup, he'll drop a setup in your life so that 10 years from now you could see, look, even back then, I loved you. Even back then I was searching for you. Even back then I was calling you. Remember when this happened and I told you this and you laughed? Look at you now. We look at, when we look at the picture of God at the very beginning when man fell in Genesis 3, It's such a beautiful picture. Adam knew he had done wrong. He knew he had violated his relationship with God by believing a lie and not living right before God. And so when Adam heard God walking in the garden, he hid. When Adam knew the presence of God was around him, there was a holy tension. And God asked the first question recorded in scriptures to man. He said, where are you? When God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know. It's not like, you know, Adam had a, found a great tree. And God, God said, man, where'd he go? Not like God was looking all over the garden and couldn't find him. He said, Adam, stop hiding. Where are you? God was speaking to Adam's heart. God saw him right through the tree, right through the bush, right through the the fig leaf. He saw right at him. He said, where are you? And God asked us today, where are you? God doesn't ask because he doesn't know. He's trying to get Adam to see where his disobedience has taken him. When God confronts him, Adam still doesn't get it. He says, well, I hid because I was naked. <clears throat> if, if God was Spanish, he'd say, Bruto, you've been naked all this time. And you never hid from me. You didn't hide because you were naked. You hid because you're in sin. So God's question told Adam two things. It told him, you're lost, and it told him, I came to find you. You're lost, and I came to find you. Can we receive that today? You're lost, and I came to find you. It's a beautiful picture. It's the, it's the gospel. It's the, it's the, tr- the truth is sinners never seek God. Sinners always hide. Isn't that true? Smart sinners have learned to hide in church. See, I hide in church but I got to hide in a church where I can sit comfortably in my sin. If they're going to keep talking about this stuff, I'm going to have to leave. And, and I'm going to go someplace that wants me to have my best life now. I don't want to be someplace where they're going to talk about my private life. That's none of your business, what I do with my life. And that's what we're saying. And so if you know, the problem is we live in a culture that says don't hide, be bold about your sin because you are your sin. Oh, that's a whole other message. If you know the story, Adam and Eve made a covering out of fig leaves because they knew they had stepped out of God's covering and and they did what all of us still do. We think we can cover ourselves. Man man tries to cover himself by providing a covering for for his shame and God looks for him and God provides a covering made from animal skins. It's a picture of the sacrifice that blood would have to be shed to provide a covering for us. Ah! There was a holy tension in the garden that day. Adam and Eve were comfortably uncomfortable. They had everything God had created for them. They were surrounded with beauty and food and purpose. But in their sin, they became uncomfortable. And they thought they could hide from God. But but the word says time will come when God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Family, listen. Man sins. We all do. Can we agree? The Word says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth of God is not in us, 1 John. Fortunately, it is not our sin that keeps us from God's forgiveness. It's our unwillingness to recognize it and to deal with it. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must, therefore, confess and make a habit of it. The wages of sin is death. I know this is a crazy old school message. Nothing good comes from what we hide. Listen, listen, hear this today, please. Nothing good comes from what we keep covered. Nothing outside of what Jesus has done on the cross will provide a real covering for what we've done and for who we've become. Sin is deceitful. It'll destroy anything it touches. Your marriage, your ministry, your family, your reputation, your integrity, your self-worth, your value. Sin makes you feel like you're in control, like you can do whatever you want. I can make anything happen. I can handle this thing. I can make it work. It makes you feel like you're totally in control until you're not. There's nothing strong enough to keep sin under control. And that's why I want to make you uncomfortable in it. I want us to be uncomfortable in it. I want us to be, to, to be nail-biting. I want, us to be, I want you to be comfortable in the presence of God, comfortable, and I want you to be uncomfortable in what you know you're hiding from God. I know this isn't fun. Earlier this year, we were... Um, we were fortunate enough last year to, to, to redo our kitchen. Where are you going with that? Okay. Been living in this house for like 18 years. We've, you know, we had like that, that 36-year-old kitchen, you know. And so we redid the kitchen, and, and it was nice. It was looking all nice. We had this white stone countertops. And, and earlier this year, we, we on the white stone countertops, we started seeing a couple of ants here and there big black ants. And so, kill it. <laughs> kill it. And then, and then, it, it became, it became like, you find yourself, you were killing eight or nine ants every morning when you came down. You're like, man, what's going on? And then, it became more and more ants. And, and there was ants in the kitchen They were like, what's going on? You know, everything's brand new. This is beautiful. And there's ants all over this thing. And so, I did what everybody does. You Google You Google a picture of that joint, and I found out they were carpenter ants. These ants are dangerous because they might not destroy things as quick as termites because termites actually eat wood. Carpenter ants actually tunnel through the wood. So they burrow and they make passageways through the wood. And so, and so they, they create these, and so you actually, you know you have carpenter ants if you see sawdust around the place where they went in, because they don't eat the wood, but they move it, and they create these tunnels in the wood. And so if you look at a, at a beam that, that, uh, that ants have gone through, this beam has a bunch of channels through it. So whenever ants channel through a beam of wood, they weaken it. So when those ants are, are, are so they, well, what they do is they slowly deconstruct it because they keep, they're not thinking about the wood. They're making ways where they can go back and front, back and forth. And so they create all these channels. As they channel through a beam, they're weakening it, slowly deconstructing this, this, this wood. And everything looks good from the outside, but slowly it's losing its strength and its stability on the inside. So when those ants are all set up in your foundation, the beams may look the same on the outside. The house might look strong from the outside, but it doesn't have the strength to stand up the same way it used to. The wood lacks the integrity. that it needs to hold the house together because it's been weakened by the ants, because they've made a way through them and used them to create pathways into your home. So the next thing I Googled is, how do you kill carpenter ants? Hallelujah. And once I found out how to do that, I acquired what was needed, and I did what was necessary to remove those ants from my house. Let me ask you something today In closing, what are the carpenter ants in your life? Worship team, come. What are those small things that you allow in your life that seem like no big deal? They seem like you have it under control. And you could argue with yourself about, "Eh, I ain't hurting nobody with the things that I do. My habits don't hurt nobody. I'm not hurting anybody. It's under control. Those things that you argue with yourself about. Can can I call out some ants for you this morning? Pride. Lust. Pornography. This stuff will destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your intimacy. It'll destroy the, the normal wiring that's in your brain, the way you're supposed to see things. Trust me. Addiction. We're drinking too much. We're medicating too much. What's your carpenter hand Unresolved anger. Gluttony. Envy. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Listen, sin will channel into the foundation of your marriage. It will channel into the foundation of your relationships, of your integrity, of your character. And to you, everything might look like it's okay. You're handling it. Things are fine. Nobody's getting hurt. It's been 10 years I've been messing, struggling with this. But slowly, but surely, the strength of your foundation is getting weakened and your strength is becoming compromised see it in so many people they, they, the way they talk changes anybody know what I'm talking about person that used to always talk like this is now talking different, the words they use are a little different a little more colorful now, things change they, 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 um, the, the things they say they would have never said before, the things they do they would have never done before when the foundation was strong But they think nothing's affecting them because they're strong. But sin makes us weak and it makes us do things that we would never have done. And it it starts to make us a slave and it destroys us and destroys everything around us. Listen, sin will always cost you more than you were willing to pay and take you farther than you were willing to go. You think it's just about you, we do. I know I've thought, I've had this, I've had this argument. You think it's just about you, but it's not just about you. Your kids will perfect your sins. We can go scripture after scripture of stories with David, with with his sons. We can go through it all with Abraham. We We can look how many times the sons have perfected the sins of the father. So it's not just about you. I'm sorry, you came for fun today. The damage starts to show here and there and in and, and the way we act or in the way we feel and, and, and sin will weaken your ability to make a good decision. Listen, I, I did a lot of research on these ants and, and what damage can, can something so small do but these ants, when you, they're left unchecked, they'll start to build colonies in other areas of your house. The queen, they're so organized, they're so methodical, the queen sends out worker drones. And, and one day they came up through one of our bedrooms and they swarmed the bedroom because they were looking for another place to form a colony. And so they form, they have a colony. Once this is strong and it's ready, this nest, they send out workers to another place in the house or in the yard or in the outside and they form colonies, satellite nests. ants. They form these satellite nests throughout so so that they can be strong, so that if this one gets taken out, they're like terrorist cells. If this one gets taken out, they have another satellite where the queen can go and be here. Sin. It forms now. You, you think it's just about this, but you don't know all the while it's building something else in here. It's building something else in here. It's built and and this it's taking these colonies out. So man, you'd be like, all right, man, I shook that habit. All right, I'm not I'm down to a pack a day. Amen. Glory to God. But it's already built something else. That that lack of doing something here is, is now preventing you from doing something here in your heart with anger, with unforgiveness, with 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 whatever. Come on, church. Church, I, I want you to feel comfortable here. But I want you to be uncomfortable in what doesn't please God. I want you to be uncomfortable in what stops your relationship from growing. So many, man, I hear it all the time and we get so discouraged all the time as leaders. I'll tell you all the time, we get so discouraged as leaders when people say, you know what? No, I left. I stopped going to sanctuary. I'm going over here because, you know, over here they're doing this and they're doing, man, come on. Anywhere you go, your sin is going to go with you. Anywhere you go, your unforgiveness is going to be right, sitting right next to you. You're like, great, I'm in a new place. This is cool. The music is, I like this here. This is awesome. And then you look next door and he's right there with you. That thing that you thought you left at the other place. I I read a story about a guy that was shipwrecked on an island, you know, like a little funny story. He was shipwrecked on an island for 10 years. And when they finally rescued him, he had three huts on the island. And they said, what are these three huts? And he said, well, that's my house. They said, oh, wow, cool. And he said, that one's my church. He said, wow, that's awesome. And that's the church I used to go to. tells us in Psalm 139 You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands on me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there, your hands will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness won't be dark to you, God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Where can we go to hide from you, Lord? And the beautiful thing is this scripture that says there's no place you can go that will separate you from the love of God. So as we close, listen, let's just bow our hands for a moment. As we, as we close, man, I want to do kind of a... <coughs> can I challenge you to remove the fig leaves and to find freedom today? 22 says now what are you waiting for get up and be baptized and wash your sins away calling on his name amen if God's been speaking to your heart there's something that you've been covering I know this is a hard thing to hear and a hard thing to do but remember there's more growth happens and things change on the outside of your comfort zone you have to be on the edge of risk to 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 really embrace it has to cost you something sometimes sometimes we have to make it listen if 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 there's things that you're hiding in your fig leaves would you stand today would you say today today man I'm 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 becoming uncovered so that God can cover me if that's you i just invite you to 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 stand right where you are. I'm not gonna call you to come forth. I'm not gonna God God's not looking to embarrass you, God's looking to set you free. And I'm already standing. So if you want to join me in standing, say, God, I'm I'm removing the fig tree, I'm removing the leaves, man. I'm removing the fake covering, I'm removing the fake religiosity, I'm removing the fake. Christian whatever and, and God I'm just coming bare with you I realize that I'm naked before you I realize that even when I was hiding you see me and, and so God is saying where are you and we're saying God I'm I'm here and I'm not going to blame Eve and I'm not going to blame the serpent I'm going to just say God I, I did what was wrong in your sight and I want to be reconciled to and if that's you, I want you to just receive that reconciliation today. Receive that today. Receive God's love today. Receive God's forgiveness. The Word says He's faithful and just to forgive you. you, can, uh, you, if, you if you really believe this, what the Word says, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you're saved. And I want you to hear this. Hear that God said today, those of you that are standing, God said today, you're lost, but I came to find you. You're lost, and I came to find you. You're blessed, and you're forgiven, and you're accepted, and you're fully known and fully loved, and there's nobody in here better than you nobody in here holier than you because God says I I put my righteousness on each one of you Amen Can we rejoice? Come on, let's rejoice let's worship, let's rejoice in that this morning
1: Amen Amen Wow Praise God Thank you Lord Jesus is still here moving in this place in your hearts so if you're still a little apprehensive just worship with us Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was brought with the precious blood. This is cold. you to leave, I want you to leave this place with this song on your heart and understand that he is a savior. So we'll say, oh, what a savior. Say, is in he Hallelujah. He's risen in our lives today. So we bow down, be Lord for he. he. We sing. Have a wonderful week. Oh, and don't forget tonight we have uh, our baptism service, man. If if, if you made a decision today and you feel like you want to get baptized, then you can come here at five o'clock. We can teach you a little something, and then we can dunk you. All right. God bless you. <laughs>